Everybody and welcome to another episode of True Stories of Tinseltown. And I had planned to do one of these kind of memorable moments in the history of, of the Academy Awards, but for some reason it didn't work out and I, I just wasn't thinking about it. And then the Will Smith thing happened, and we will talk about that because we're going through the history. We'll talk about that last. And guess who the wheel is? The wheel is my dear, darling, John DeLeo. How are you, John? Hey, Grace. Good to be back with you. We're like a team by now. I love it. I really do. It's so much fun. And (laughs) it'll be a fun topic, I think, to talk about. I think so, too. I think so, too. And yes, so it's after the Oscars. Big deal. (laughs) It's still going to be good. And also, I want you guys... John, say the name of your book. Oh, my my latest film book came out recently. It's called There Are No Small Parts, 100 Outstanding Film Performances with Screen Time of 10 Minutes or Less. Yes. And I, I'm sorry, I have, <laughs> I have allergies. Um, so th- this is a great book. I loved it. And there are things, really, I think you guys could study and see and go, oh, my God, this person made such an impression, and they were only on for three minutes or four minutes or whatever. And mm-hmm. I also say, get out your stopwatch and see if John is right. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling you are, John. But That's right, because I got out my stopwatch. That's how I know. <laughs> well, your stopwatch could have been malfunctioning. <laughs> so that would be fun. And if anyone finds... A discrepancy. Of course, get Uh-oh. in touch with me and we will have John on again to discuss the discrepancy, <laughs> which I doubt there is one because John is very thorough. So, uh, yes, I may be busy that week. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to tell you all, it's a great book. Um, I learned so much and he chose so many that I really loved. Um, and I enjoyed the book very much. And things that I really Movies I hadn't seen yet or movies, the performances, I'm going to check. And I'm going to take out my stopwatch, too. (laughs) All right, all right. And it goes from uh, 1935 to 2019. So that's another sort of uh, thing about it that that pleases me, that it spans the decades, as they say. And it's it's fun. It's good. Historically, (laughs) like I say, all John's books are historically interesting and you can't do wrong. And this one's really good. And you can play the stopwatch game. <laughs> Take a shot if you find them wrong. You'll be cold, okay. still cold sober, I betcha. Oh, boy. Okay, John, who do you want to start with first if we go line by line? Well, I think we mentioned, um, you know, we're talking about the the Oscar ceremony, uh, essentially, and things that have gone wrong or been not exactly what they'd hoped for. And of course, nothing quite as as dramatic as what happened with Will Smith, which no. we'll get to, as you said, but things along the way that have also been sort of disruptive moments. And I guess the one I think of first, even though it was after and it was backstage, but it was a famous event <laughs> when um, Olivia de Havilland wins her first Oscar and her sister, Joan Fontaine, who had already won her Oscar, beating Olivia de Havilland, uh, makes a play to congratulate her backstage and a photographer catches the moment of Olivia's sort of snub. And some reporter caught the quote of Olivia saying to like her press agent, I don't know why she does that when she knows how I feel, which, you know, uh, whether or not how many people were aware of the sort of uh, frostiness between the sisters that have been going on apparently since childhood to yes. some degree. Yes, said they um, wrestle and get into yeah, really big brawls. That was, I guess, sort of the most public display and however many people were following that at the time. I'm sure within the industry, people already had probably figured that one out, but it was kind of a thing. The picture became famous and it was sort of the epitome 
of you know what was going on between them that photograph as sort of proof that they couldn't stand each other and uh, you know i knew uh some of uh, an old actor's friend said that people that knew them both would never tell the other one that they were talking to the other one because they didn't want to hear it. So you, you had to sort of choose sides whether or not you really had. You know? Yeah, because probably they would have uh, got you out yeah. of their life. And yeah, I think, yeah. I, I, I don't know, I think Olivia would be more... Uh, I'm cutting you out of my life. How dare you? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. She's a strong t- yeah. cookie. Well, I did hear another person told me um, that knew them that she thought she didn't like Joan Fontaine at all. But then I I had never had an encounter with Olivia de Havilland, but I had actually two with Joan Fontaine. They were both really positive. When I was a teenager, I, I got her autograph. I saw her at, a, at an event. And uh, she signed my book, and she was very sweet. And then my first book, when that came out, uh, the quiz book, uh, and you thought you knew classic movies, I sent it to her, just Joan Fontaine, Carmel, California. And she got it, and she wrote me a handwritten note. So I never had anything against her. But it seems like recent years, I feel like um, the stuff I've read has sort of tilted toward her being the sort of troublemaker. But I guess it depends who you talk to, yeah. You know, have you ever seen... she plays Christabel. Yes, <laughs> born to be bad. Yes, born to be to bad. Me, that's like Joan. I think she's passive aggressive. She puts his oh, yeah. hello everybody, and then uh, yeah. so who knows? Yeah. You know, I'm just you exactly know. who knows. I'm sure they both have a good story for why the other one was difficult and all of that. But um, it's the competition. They were too close course. in age. You know. Oh gosh, and it's then, it's incredible. Yeah, like yeah. you said, you know, they're like, oh, she's prettier. She's prettier. She's more talented. She's more talented. Yeah, that's really not fun. And they're only 15 months apart. So you see right. that. So right. what, one I want to get to now, and yeah. this also has to do with Olivia de Havilland, was Hattie McDaniel and Olivia de Havilland were both nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Gone with the Wind. And um, Hattie, is this true? She had to sit in the back in Los Angeles? She's either, I thought it was even in like an outer room. That's I don't what think I she, too. yeah, yeah. But she wasn't in the main, she wasn't sitting at the Gone with the Wind table. Let's put it that way. That's horrifying. Yeah. Anyway, they announced Hattie's win. Hattie was ecstatic. And um, <laughs> these, it, uh, Olivia could not contain her tears. And someone took her into the kitchen so she could vent and boo hoo hoo hoo. But uh. I've also read, Oh yes, she ran into the bath, uh, into the kitchen because she was crying because she was so happy for Hattie. <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, do you? Doesn't sound right. No, 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 no. no. But um, yeah, Joan won the first Oscar, and didn't Olivia say something like, "It's for both of us" or whatever? Oh, so oh. um, they were against each other. In yeah. uh, what was it? Hold back the dawn, or t- yeah, yeah, yeah. The sisters were up against each other. Uh, Olivia for Hold Back the Dawn, and Joan Fontaine wins for Suspicion. And there probably was some resentment from Olivia as well because people had said she only got it because she could have should have gotten it for Rebecca the year before, and maybe Olivia would have gotten it. But I don't know she still would have been upset if her sister got it first anyway the year before. So uh, I guess it was that thing of just both sitting there and uh, your younger sister getting it before you did. Um, so yeah, I mean, but you know. On the plus side, here are two sisters who reach the top of a profession that's, you know, ruthless and impossible (laughs) and all these things. They both make it to the very, very top. Um, But you're right. It just incites an even more competitive streak in in both of them. And they obviously had ambitions because, you know, you don't just get there accidentally or you you can get your opportunities. But to stay there for a while, you've got to have the goods. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's a fascinating subject because, um, like I said, it's they, they both achieve the dream. And so much of uh, what's sort of interesting about them from the behind the scenes angle is the the sisterly rivalry. You know, I'd love to read a book about it. And I think I told yeah. you years ago, a book was going to come out 
and it was going to be about the sisters. And yeah. I think Olivia's had it stopped. I believe yeah. she had it stopped. And um, uh, she didn't want that out there. She's alive. She probably would have gone to the Supreme Court if she could. Oh, right. There's that, too. That. But right, um, there's that. they were funny. I would have loved to see. There, there was a book. I, I don't remember. I didn't read it, but I think there was one. And maybe that's what got them uh, unhappy about the thought of another one coming out. So. Probably. Well, yeah, Joan yeah. wrote her own. And no bed of roses. Brian Hearn oh, right. married to her. Yeah, yeah. And this is a true story from Tinseltown. They were going to get married. The night before the wedding, John calls Joan and says, I want to call the wedding off. And so Joan's like, you are not calling the wedding off. We have all this press. We have this. You can leave me in a month, but we are not calling the wedding off. So he showed up. And they ended up staying married for, I don't know, four or five years. Mm. But you know, wowza. Mm. So, and he said that uh, Joan wrote a very good fictional novel about Oh, yeah. Her sure. 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 Uh, yeah. And I, I would sure. love to see um, Olivia and Joan wrestle together. <laughs> Give, me <mine. laughs> Give me that. That's mine. That's mine. <laughs> but they are the only siblings to both have won Best Acting Awards. And that's a big mm. deal. So I it think sure that's something. Sure. Um, do you have another one to pick first? Well, I guess we could go, I mean, the whole George C. Scott phenomenon, which goes back to, you know, uh, he was nominated for Anatomy of a Murder and yes. didn't win. But I think he was fairly quiet about that one. But when he's nominated again for The Hustler, uh, for Supporting Actor, he essentially says he's refusing the nomination when it comes out. So they know ahead of time that he wants no part of it. And he doesn't win, so it's not a, a thing. And then when he's nominated then as best actor for Patton, again, he's saying, uh, no way, I'm not I don't think actors should compete. Yes. It's a it's a meat parade, whatever, you know, all the stuff, all the derogatory comments. But you know, this goes back to you know, even with what people were saying about Will Smith, if anyone said they, they should take his Oscar back, the Academy's always been fairly firm when up against it to say we're not honoring individuals, we're honoring their achievements. So we don't really care if George C. Scott wants an Oscar or not. We're honoring his performance as Patton the way we were honoring Will Smith's performance as Richard Williams. And so it's almost like they went out of their way to pick him, even so though he was fabulous. He yeah, I mean, he, he deserves he was wonderful. He, he was, it was a great performance, um, but they weren't going to not pick him because he had made those bad comments to show they were above such things. Um, anyway, of course, there's the famous moment of Goldie Hawn opening the envelope and saying, oh, my God, the winner is George C. Scott. And so that was the first time an actor had you know, refused one and and certainly on television. You know, it's funny though about the Oscars. I just let me go off on, on a tangent a little bit. That was the first Oscars I ever watched. I was 10 years old and George C. Scott refused it. The second one I watched the following year was when Jane Fonda won and everyone was terrified she was going to make an anti-war speech. Right. Uh, and, you know, and then the third one I watched now I'm uh, 12 and it was Marlon Brando when we get to we'll get to Sashi Littlefeather refusing the Oscar on his behalf. So that was a moment, you know, pretty much all through the seventies when you thought, can the Academy survive this at all? Had uh, the culture gone way past this old fashioned thing that has no purpose and just looks ridiculous? And the reason I mention all that is that we're kind of in uh, the closest to that era. That, that I can think of since then in the last 50 years when there's that feeling of irrelevance, the way we watch movies is different. Um, the culture is so different. The country's so divided. Right. It's one of those moments where the Academy looks really irrelevant. My guess is it will survive because the Academy loves itself and loves giving awards to each other and they all want it. So they will endure whatever it takes, but it, it will take a while to get out of uh, this slump 
that the public feels, the culture feels, where it's like, what? We're still doing that? Really? <laughs> so, yeah, that's my little tangent. But, again, the the thing I, I wanted to mention initially was just, of course, his refusing that Oscar was kind of a major moment that as someone, you know, had climbed the mountaintop of glory and said, no thanks, this is dumb, <laughs> basically. Yeah, but I kind of get it because I used to watch yeah. it when I was a kid. Um and I would stay over my best. We both wanted to be actresses and move to New York, and she was going to be in California. Yeah. So we would get all dolled up. We'd put on lipstick, makeup, sure, sure, sit sure, in a sure. room. We would pick up a brush, and we would do, do right. our things. And, you know, as I got, I don't think I've watched them since I'm in my 20s. I, I really yeah. don't. Really? Um, one I want to bring up before we go, Joan Crawford, up mm. for Mildred Pierce. Oh, right. That's a good one. Yes. She feigned illness, but she looked darling. She had her hair wrapped up in a bow and her face was glowing, but she was afraid she was going to lose. She didn't want to be there. So, you know, she said, I didn't feel well. And then she won and all the press is out there and they come in and they, Jones, you know, camera ready. I'm here and, and life is good. But it's funny how she did that. But she yeah. she was always ready for the camera, regardless. Even if she's barfing her guts out, which she wasn't, she's always yeah. camera ready. Yeah, that always surprised me that that's what she did because, uh, yes, everyone's afraid they're going to lose, I guess, if, if they really want it. And it she had – she had to know she was a strong contender. The film had been a smash hit. It was up for best picture. Everyone loves a comeback. Um, but uh, to to give up on the possibility of having that moment of glory, which she would have reveled in, her name call, going up there, making a speech, she would have been in her glory, as I said. I can't believe fear kept her away from that and that she didn't regret it for the rest of her life. I mean, I guess it was fun to be the center of attention in your nightgown and your right. bed and, and the your click, click, little, click. But it's not the fun. same. It's not the same as at that time being on the radio and having a room full of your peers uh, clapping for you and getting all dolled up. Um, so. Uh, I mean, she chose what to do, and I guess it all worked out. But I always feel like it was whatever she did do. It wasn't as good as having your name called and climbing to the to the podium, and um, like I said, enjoying being on the mountaintop for those few minutes. Well, she was enjoying all the press attention and things like that. Think about Judy Garland. Wasn't she in her hospital bed? And they all yeah. thought she was going to win. All the yeah. cameras and everyone was there. Who beat her? I forgot. That's Grace Kelly in The Country Girl. And, she, and, and yeah. then all of them booked. They went away. Judy yeah. was ready and they went away. It's just like, okay, one miniature winner. I'm sorry, loser. We're out of here. <laughs> right. She always talked about, right, the minute they said Grace Kelly, uh, William Holden said Grace Kelly, that the technicians immediately started unhooking equipment. And it was <laughs> sort know. of, How- it was doubly hurtful. Like I lost and it's like, I, I don't exist for, you know, it, it's over. Um yeah, that's uh, the you know obviously to do that too. They really thought she had a shot, and of course she was incredible in the yes. movie and deserved to win. Of There's course, that too. I'm sorry, I hate yeah. Grace's. Perf- I I don't, and I love Grace Kelly. She's gorgeous. She's whatever. She's your typical yeah. waspy woman. But I've seen that movie, and I yeah. thought she stunk. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just you know one of those examples of you know when the when the beauty takes off her makeup, puts glasses on, and wears a cardigan. You know they're like, oh, she was so brave. Right? You know, basically. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Judy Garland, you know, rips her guts out basically for three hours. <laughs> you know, Star is Born, and she's so incredible. Well, I mean. It, Nobody ever talks about the country girl, and people are constantly obsessed with A Star is Born. So, um, you know, you know, in the long run, it's what's uh, you know, the, it's the test of time that matters. Um, but yeah, it's, it had it might have changed. Well, now we're on another subject, but it might have changed Judy Garland's whole life if she won the Oscar, and people would have uh, 
been throwing offers at her in a way that they didn't when she didn't win. So anyway, that's cruel. That's Hollywood. Yeah. You know, it's Hollywood. And it's like next. it is. They're very. Yeah. It's not a nice town. It's very. Yeah cutthroat and ruthless, and it doesn't change. It still is today. Mm-hmm. What I want to talk about is Greer Gossen, the yeah. longest speech, yeah. seven minutes. Yeah. Well, they used to, you know, the legend, which we're talking about when she won for, for Mrs. Miniver, and you know, it's they said it was the longest speech in Academy history. Well, you know, it's also when you watch old Academy Awards shows, I'm talking about the TV stuff, which is years after Greer Garson's win, you're you're shocked by how brief the speeches are because nowadays people feel not just to thank everybody with first names, which means nothing to anybody. You know, Joe, Mary, it doesn't mean anything. It's such a waste of time. Right. But then they feel compelled to make some sort of statement about the world, you know, all of that. And so many, if you just look at clips on YouTube of people winning Best Actor and Actress in the 50s and 60s, it's a simple thank you. And they maybe thank the director and they're gone. And uh, we just got so far away from that. So for Greg Garson to have given a speech that was a few minutes long would have seemed even longer <laughs> back That's then. Long. And the, I mean, I think it was so blown out of proportion as the years went by. You would hear, yeah, Greer Garson gave a forty-five minute speech when she won. So, as the story was told, it was the minutes were added on and on like, as the years went by. It's like the so, pass it down thing. Yeah, yeah. Garson uh, is on for seven yeah. minutes and goes to ten, and by the time yeah. he gets the end of table yeah. and they talk to the person who. Yeah. Psst, started it. It gets to be this yeah. big thing. So it's weird. But I never saw that. I think I saw clips of her doing that. Um, something that I found interesting was how happy he's in his suit. Marlon Brando in the 50s wins Best Actor Academy Award. Mm-hmm. And he is like, yahoo, wee-haw. He's yeah. so happy. Yeah. And um, it just didn't happen again. Right, right. Well, he was up, when he won for On the Waterfront, it was his fourth consecutive nomination. And I'm not sure he was there every time, um, but he certainly was there for On the Waterfront. And I guess at that point, they figured he had to win. And you're right, he's very happy. And um, yes, go go back to you on on The Godfather. Go ahead. So on the Godfather, I, there is this. He wins Best Actor for the Godfather, and all of a sudden we see this woman in Indian garb come up to accept the award and talk about the indigenous and uh, the plight right. of the Indians and and just going on and on. I believe she was being booed. Marlon was not there, and right. the funniest part to me. There's our rootin' dootin' John Wayne, and he wants to go there and drag her off. And I've heard rumors four people had to hold him back, six people had to hold him back. John liked a nip, so I'm thinking he was a little drunky-poo, but he was P.O.'d, and he just wanted to get that chick off the stage. That would have been a wowza, wowza, wowza memorable Right, because it—well, because what he, she says is about he's— um, he, he, I believe, regretfully cannot accept the Oscar because of the treatment of Native Americans in Hollywood. And there's John Wayne and all those movies, <laughs> all those westerns. So I think he must have felt like, I think she's talking about me. <laughs> you know? Well, the funny part is people still believed he was like this hero, that he went to war, oh. that he did oh, right. stuff. I didn't know. I had to, st- I had to Google it a couple yeah. of years ago, and I'm like... Oh, he's our he's our like uh, favorite actor. He's so strong and brave, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And he had never served in a war, but because he did so many westerns and war movies, sure, people sure. bought it. They totally sure. bought it. And he right. he certainly wasn't quiet about anything. That's he just made his opinions now. So uh, why don't we get to Sidney Poitier? Oh, sure. Go for it. Sydney was, and I love Sydney. God bless Sydney. Sydney died not that long ago. Sydney Poitier was the first black man to win Best Actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he won it for Lilies of the Field. Mm-hmm. And that was like, wow, you know, this guy 
finally wins is Hattie. Yes, she was the first black person to win an award. But this was huge for him to win this award. And um, that's very memorable, I believe. Yeah, and also that um, it had been a long time since Hattie McDaniel won. And uh, I think also the the role in Lilies of the Field, it wasn't a movie about race, so it wasn't uh, a typical thing of playing a stereotypical role or dealing with the issue of being black it it was race was it wasn't removed from it necessarily but it wasn't about that it was basically a charming feel-good movie and of him helping this group of nuns and uh build a chapel (laughs) yeah it's it's so much about uh, you know, not just his acting ability, but his movie star charisma, his charm, his ability to hold the screen. And so it's it's a nice win. Um, I think he gave better acting performances, but, but it's a nice it's a nice film to have won for. And it wasn't controversial, like you said. It was just yeah. this ju- guy who is broke and he kind of does handiwork for the nuns and he teaches it to sing. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. He teaches that, but then everybody gathers together and yeah. all races, all whatever, kumbaya. And it was a safe pick and he was charming and he was, you know, I just really loved Sid, loved Sydney as an actor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. You got one for us? Um, well, we have, we have to talk about the, the streaker. Oh, that yes. was in 1974. Was and again, this is on a much lighter note, but of course, again, it's that same period I was talking about when the Academy was seeming so irrelevant and, uh, the culture didn't seem to sort of jibe with this old ritual that right. had been going on since the late twenties. Um, so you have this man running by naked. No, we didn't get really get to see it. Uh, I guess on the, the live, uh, the delay. So we just saw the guy go by. We had David Niven's memorable quip, uh, yeah. quip about the guy showing off his shortcomings. And then Elizabeth Taylor comes out and is going to present best picture. She's all flustered and she says, I think I'm jealous. Um, so, uh, you know, but that was a sort of a lightweight, uh, moment in terms of the culture clash, as opposed to, you know, like I said, when Jane Fonda won and people were nervous that well, what it might turn into. And she very memorably said something about this. There's a great deal to say, but I'm, I'm not going to say it tonight. And thank you. So that was like an old school speech of like 15 seconds. <laughs> but, right. But um, she did right. She did the right yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And and she wanted, uh, you know, I mean, she's amazing in Clute. So, uh, you know, really and it was. And that was, uh, uh, yeah, that, that I'm glad she was there. And, um, and, 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 you know, and back to Marlon Brando, too, about, he it was it, he refused it for a different reason than George C. Scott. It wasn't about you know this is ridiculous actors and competing, competing with each yeah. other. It's gross, and of course he has a George C. Scott has a good point. Of course, no one ever really said no one, no one ever really argued the point. Um, and I guess with Brando, though, it was a different kind of thing. It was a refusal to make a statement to use the Academy Awards to make a statement, which was kind of more is what Jane Fonda chose not to do. And then that was an issue that came rumbling back and forth, mostly in the 1970s um, with, there was that night that hearts and minds won the documentary award and the producer, you know, made comments. It was a movie about the Vietnam war. Mm -hmm. And then Frank Sinatra came out and said, you know, the Academy wants you to know uh, we're not uh, backing any political statements that are made tonight. And and then remember Shirley MacLaine supposedly threw a fit backstage at Sinatra for the disclaimer, like speaking on behalf of the Academy as if the board had met in those few minutes and all of that. So that was such a, such a weird time of, um, how to incorporate those other, the real world into it. And now we're kind of used to pretty much everyone will make some version of a political speech, whether it's, you know, mentioning some place in the world that's in trouble or LGBTQ issues, you know, yes. I mean, we're used to, um, 
people making a statement about something other than the movie that they were in. But that was that period of, are we really, is that okay? <laughs> I don't, they didn't know how to do it. And, and like I said, there's no easy answer about the way to do it or right. if you should do it or not. It's just, we've seen some awkward moments um, because of that. Um, Can I ask you, John, now about yeah. the streaker, there yes. is no way he could have gotten on stage without yeah. them wanting him to do that. Right, right. I, I think you're probably right. He would have yeah. been tackled. Oh, here yeah. I am. I'm naked. Watch me go. No, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think they yeah. wanted to kind of, because that, I don't know. Can you imagine yeah. streaking? That was like, I guess it was some fad or something. It was a fad. Exactly. It was a crazy fad of just guys uh, taking off their clothes and running through public places. I think and, women did it, too. Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess it was more shocking at the time for men because no one had ever seen a naked man. <laughs> that <part>. True. True. <laughs> that was the frontal nudity was a new phenomenon, certainly in the movies. So, uh, it, um, yeah, I guess it I don't know if there's been a definitive thing on that, but you're right. We've certainly heard through the years that the whole thing was, was planned. Um, and it was timed so right. It was right before Best Picture. So, I mean, know. Was... <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk about Babs Streisand and Catherine oh, sure. Ty for Best Actress. And that yeah. wasn't, that's never happened before or again, has it? It happened once before with actors in the early 30s when Wallace Beery and The Champ and Frederick March in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde tied. Mm. But the story then was that, I mean, the Academy is still so new in the right. first you know, half dozen years that when they counted the votes, Frederick March had one more vote than Wallace Beery. And they thought, oh, this is ridiculous. How can we not give it to the other guy? So they declared it a tie. But after that, they, in the rules, I believe it says it has to be identical or, you know, you know, if it happened in the 60s, Frederick March would have been the sole winner. Right. So in 68, I think people were so shocked that the Academy had many more members. The you know odds of there being a tie were so slim. That's why Ingrid Bergman was so shocked when she opened the envelope, as was everybody. So, yeah, it, it hasn't happened since in, in, uh, in the acting category, certainly. I was watching, um, you know, I was looking at stuff for the show and... and um, who could forget Babs diaphanous yeah. pantsuit where you could see her butt and everything, <laughs> yeah. and that horrible bubble hairdo she had for quite a while. But um, <laughs> yeah, she won for Funny Girl and yeah. uh, Winter. What is it? The The Lion in the Winter. The Lion in the Winter Kate. was Catherine. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, you want to talk about Vanessa Redgrave? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of like the peak of what I was talking about uh, in the 70s. Like, are, you know, is the Academy going to make it through the 1970s alive? And in terms of the political rumblings, whether it was from Brando's speech or Fonda's speech or the Sinatra thing with the Vietnam War, um, the most extreme or the most, I guess, memorable example was Vanessa Redgrave winning for Julia. And again, there was a lot of lead up. Um, she'd been very vocal about her uh, pro-Palestinian stance, and there was there were protesters. And when she wins, you know, to her way of thinking, she was you know thanking the Academy profusely for not bowing down to protesters. But you know, she remember she memorably used the term Zionist hoodlums, which yes. was not a good choice of Ooh, words, boo. which sort of rankled yeah, people, she got of course. Booed, of course. Yeah. Exactly. She got booed. And uh but you know, she ends it with that she's gonna continue her fight against anti Semitism and fascism and all of that. But what's interesting about it, and it's kind of an interesting parallel to the Will Smith uh, Chris Rock thing, is that in the 70s, nobody slapped anybody, but Patty Chapsky comes out and sort of uh, responds verbally. So it's almost like they're having an argument uh, at the Academy Awards, but it's all very civil. And he uh, says, you know, her winning an Oscar is not a pivotal moment in history, and she should keep her personal propaganda to herself. And it's sort of like, wow, we're watching 
like an argument at the Academy Awards, but again, within the boundaries of civil of civility, you know, civil, civil behavior. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but it was very, again, these were things that had not yet happened in, in, at the Academy Awards, uh, which is, I guess, partly why people tune into live shows. Uh, but, you know, the things we're talking about were usually first things that no one ever could have imagined happening. <laughs> right. And th- often they're more memorable than who won, of course, because nobody can remember. No, because all this <laughs> stuff happens. So right. also, uh, Charlie Chaplin comes out of mm. self-imposed exile of 20 years to receive mm. the Lifetime Achievement Award. And man, as I recall, he he really was like a little old guy, right? Yeah. Well, sure. Nobody had really seen him, I guess, in a while. Um, uh, well, he made an appearance in The Countess from Hong Kong that he directed, and he's in it for... But, I mean, his glory days were long gone. He hadn't lived in, in Hollywood in such a long time. And uh, I'm sure, that, you know, they showed a reel of clips, and then, you're right, this little white-haired old man came out. But it is a beautiful moment, and it was... Um, the the film of the Chaplin film with Robert Downey Jr. is far from a great movie, but I love Robert Downey's performance. And the the movie ends with that moment, and it is very moving because he's backstage and the and while the film clips are playing, and that really was a that was a great moment. And that was the night of the Jane Fonda win, I believe. And so it was again mixing the old and the and the new, and it's it's always uh, a str- life, I guess, is a strange mix of the the past and the and the present, and uh, trying to celebrate both at the same time. Sure. Can you imagine people uh, kidnapped his? grave his body i do i i remember that i mean i remember i remember i was i remember when he died because where i lived they showed a double feature of the great dictator in modern times mm-hmm. on the big screen i hadn't seen either one of them and i was knocked out i thought i'd just seen the two greatest movies i'd ever seen um like i said i believe i was 16 um and and you know for someone who grew up in the 70s he was such a distant figure right and uh, I, I, as I said, I was knocked out. And uh, um, you know, anyway, he, he's he's his place is secure in the in the history of film. Certainly, most I mean, definitely. Most. Who definitely. else? How many people compare in terms of achievement and innovation? Um, maybe a handful of other people. Right. And one thing I want to bring up again now. Um, this guy, who who was a guy, and he told names in the communist, you know, the the, yeah, the House of American Activities yes. Committee. Who Huack? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember who was it? Was it Patty Chayefsky? Was it? Um, no, Ilya Kazan got a oh, lot of yes, yes. grief when they gave him a special Oscar many years later. Uh, several people in the audience wouldn't stand up because of that. Um, I always felt awkward about them giving him a special Oscar at all since he won Best Director twice. Right. So you're supposed to use those for the, oh, my God, I can't believe we never gave Deborah Carr an Oscar. Hurry up and give her a special one She's before it's too late. Down, yeah. yeah, that's the point. So I guess... Uh, then you feel like, or yeah, it, it, sometimes if you question, is it politics going on in the background, and someone's trying to make a statement by honoring him, and then other people then have the reverse uh, reaction. Like, there's no reason to give this man an Oscar unless. Are you saying you forgive him for that? Is that why you're doing this? If that's why you're doing it, I'm not standing up. So, again, it's um, there was a lot going on with that one, um, and I said mostly because I. Was I felt that I didn't understand why he was getting it, but well, yeah, you're right. He had two director ones, and maybe because it was controversial, maybe they wanted people to boo and not stand up. Because I guess, be. I guess, but, yeah. um, there was something. That's uh, what I'm looking at. Um, oh gosh, I'm looking at something here that's a biggie. Patton Star, Jane Fonda, Vanessa Redgrave. 
Um, the whole thing with Vanessa is, which was quite interesting, is that she got a part and it was also um, a lot of controversy that she got this part in television miniseries called Playing for Time. Oh, right, 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 right. And right, because she, she's in a concentration camp. Right. right. And because she she was a concert pianist and other people who could play, they got to live. Um, I think sometimes they played the uh, yeah played their music while people were marching into the gas chambers. You know. Yeah, there was it was yeah. Arthur Miller wrote that uh, television movie, and I think I think I believe he defended the choice of her casting because she's a great actress. And uh, I mean, it's a very powerful piece. I watched it not that long ago. I did too. Because um, when I interviewed Jane Alexander, who she got an Emmy for that in a supporting role. And she's she's really quite wonderful in it I too. Love yeah. Um, and so that holds up really powerful. That's when you know the networks used to make these great TV movies. You know now it's all on like HBO or whatever. There is no such thing really. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that was a television event, and uh, yeah, I mean the you know for all her controversy, Vanessa's had the staying power of her talent. That's yes. why. She's still around, not because people probably have that much fun (laughs) being around her necessarily, but yeah, she doesn't sound like a barrel. She delivers, yeah, she delivers, (laughs) she delivers, and uh, and has been for you know 60 years. So, yeah, you can't think of that stuff. Um, let's see. Well, before we get to Will Smith, we just have to certainly mention the La La Land Moonlight. Yes, I'm looking uh, right thing. at it. El- because, en- envelope gate. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because again, you you know, technically, you know, we've been watching the Academy Awards for 90 years, wow. <laughs> uh, in some way or other. You know, reading about it, listening on the radio, watching it on TV. You know, looking in the history books about it and all that. But to have. Um, the best picture uh, announced and going to the wrong movie. You know, it's always funny. You think, well, what would happen if they announced the wrong thing? Would they just let it go because it's so embarrassing? Well, now we know the answer to that. No, they will not let it go. They will stop it. But the thing that fascinated me about that was, you know, a lot of us tune in for the vicarious feeling of watching what it feels like to, uh, okay, I keep referring to the mountaintop, but yeah, to get to this place of glory, of achievement, of recognition, of, you know, you like me, you really like me, whatever you want to call it. Get your your, uh, brush out, everybody. Come on, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, here's, the movie is announced, you have a producer who's in the middle of making a speech. He is having that moment, and you think, well, I guess it's real. I'm up here having the moment. What could be more real than that? And it's not. And someone taps you on the shoulder and says, I'm oh. sorry, um, the whole world is watching, and uh, please hand that over to this guy next to you. So, I mean, then you thought, if wow, if you can't even count on that, <laughs> even in our fantasy lives, we can't even count on that being real uh, for some people and to live through it. Uh, you can still be tapped on the shoulder and say, yeah, not you. Bye-bye. Yeah, the presenters uh, were Faye Dunaway and yeah. um, Warren, Beatty. Warren Beatty. Yeah, and I don't even blame them. I mean, no, they were caught off guard, and they thought, well, I, I guess that, I mean, Price Waterhouse, I think, talk about how do you punish Will Smith, I think I would have said, yeah, you're done. That's it. Never again. Goodbye. Yeah. Because you really only had one job and it's not that hard in the scheme of things. Right. And you humiliated the institution. You humiliated these people on the stage. Even the people, even the Moonlight people didn't get the moment they deserved to have, which no. is hearing their name called. So the whole thing was was terrible. And I mean, it, it is just a war show. I know. I know. In the but... scheme of things, not that terrible, but. It, talk about that, embarrassing that and humiliating. So didn't they show the card? What was on the card? It was, a, I believe it was, they always have a, a backup of every one. There's one on each side of the stage, I think, for mm-hmm. each category. And they gave Faye Dunaway another Best Actress one. And I think the one she opened said Emma Thompson in La La Land. But she saw La La Land and thought, well, I guess they know what they're doing. So um, what was she really supposed to do? Like, excuse me, I don't know. In the moment, 
Um, I probably would have done, I don't know, It's who, who knows what we would do. But again, it wasn't her fault. No, Somebody right. handed her the wrong envelope. Um, yeah. But it was kind so, of weird. Okay, you're up here. Am script. Yeah. Here comes the real winners. Push them out of the way. Yeah. You're out of yeah. here, buddy. Um, right. And, mm-hmm. and that was pretty weird. What about you? What do you think about the uh, brouhaha about my cousin Vinny, that woman who won? What, Marissa yeah, Tomei? Yeah, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, I think it, I believe it's been disproven as, as um, just not. That didn't happen. Marissa Tomei won, and uh, it's been a very ugly thing for people to say she didn't. I mean, like, again, you've won something and people trash you. Uh, I guess she was an upset winner. She was up against, I believe, you know, like four English actresses, yeah. <laughs> including Vanessa Redgrave. Oh uh, Judy Davis, Joan Plowright, you know, it was like this illustrious list and the people were thinking, yeah, I don't think Marissa Tomei playing a, you know, gum chewing Brooklyn girl will beat those people. And because it was an older person, uh, Jack Palance, uh, opening the envelope, one push up, thought, one arm push up. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, was it trustworthy and all, but that just seems like it's just mean spirited. Yes. Um, yeah. And it still hasn't died down. Okay, we are getting to, now this definitely was the most memorable thing that happened at an Oscars. And I saw it the next day. Take your take, and then I'll give mine. Well, I watched it live, and I think like most people, when he came up to the stage and we saw the, we thought we were watching a bit. Right. And then when the sound went out, and, and the sound went out for a long time, and then you thought, Something's really weird. And I didn't hear him use the F word twice till we saw it. You know, those other, the, the what was it from Australian TV and, and Japanese Japan, TV? Yeah, Japan. yeah, that that hadn't uh, blocked it. And then it was, uh, we, knew, it's something we knew during the show that we found out it was real. Um, my, you know, it, it, I'm so interested in the whole psychology of the moment because I thought several things went through my mind. One is, Will Smith's the favorite to win. He's getting dressed that night knowing this is the greatest night of my career. I'm this is it. I've been way I'm in my fifties. I've been a star since I had the sitcom yeah, when I was a teenager 20, or whatever. Yeah. Um so this is the night. This is the greatest night of my career. Right. And yet he sabotaged it by all by himself. And self-destructed, and you thought, that's such an interesting, you know, if you were playing someone in a movie or a play of someone who chooses the greatest night of his life to self-destruct and, um, as I said, sabotage. And now no one talks about him winning the Academy Award. They talk about him slapping Chris Rock. And the other thing that fascinates me is the amount of brain time it takes for you to decide well, first you laughed. Yes. You looked at your wife. She was mad. You Rolling decide you're eyes. mad. Yeah. You have to get up out of your seat. You have to walk to the edge of the stage. You have to climb steps, approach the person, move your hand back. To, that's a long time in brain time to think that's right. not a good idea. And for Chris Rock, and that, guy. that he never thought that all the way there. And, and what is that? Do you, are you so... Do you feel so entitled as a movie star that you do you think you can get away with anything? Or I mean, I can't imagine what it takes, but you'd have to know at some point that it wasn't a good idea. And then to sit back down and scream the F word twice. Twice. And then you think, uh, I again, the, the brain time involved, uh, again, self-sabotage. And now, like I said, he's when you say his name for the rest of his life it's it's more about the slap than the oscar yeah this will be remembered and, just like yeah. all the earlier ones and my, and my thoughts about. too were you know when we were talking about the next day what what's what are the repercussions and i thought well he certainly won't be asked to present best actress next year and chris rock will probably be asked to be the host those are the two things i thought of well now we found out he'll he's banned for 10 years mm-hmm. um and I, they haven't announced a host yet, of course, but that's certainly a possibility because all they care about is ratings. And so what would get more ratings than Chris Rock coming back to host? So I think that's kind of a done deal. Um, so uh, I don't know. I don't know. For me. What do you? What were your? Yeah, go ahead. 
I saw it the next day because I don't watch them anymore. And at first, you know, I did. Just as I was watching it, I was going, that can't be real. And then I heard him swearing and and people looking around and people (laughs) allegedly the actors, they're, they're on their phones trying to figure out if it was real or not. And yeah. he has a lot of anger in him. If you see this, I think yeah. I'm not a particular fan of Jada. She took three pictures, fingers crossed for the, but she didn't have one picture of her husband who was up <laughs> for the Academy Award. It was all about her. I believe she is a narcissist. Also, Two women. One of the women uh, was a host. I think two of the hosts. But one was on the red carpet and said about, you know, Jada's entanglement. And Jada rolls her eyes. And what's Will going to do? Smack this woman? Boy, that would be worse. And then another one says it. And Chris, you know... He said the most, it wasn't funny. It wasn't a good joke. (laughs) It wasn't a bad joke. And... I don't know. And the humiliation to be seen around the world, how could be more, what could be more humiliating? Okay, spit in my face or slap my face. There is nothing more humiliating. And he held it together, which I thought was amazing that he didn't run out and did. He, he's a total pro. And I believe that he just has so much anger towards that woman. He's a cuckold. He, yeah. I do believe that 100%. And I think you should dump her. And that's just my opinion. Because I, you know, I, yeah. she thinks, I think part of her thinks that she's the real star and why as well, you know, so uh, look, huh. three, three pictures of herself with her fingers crossed, not one with her <laughs> husband who was up for the award. You know, another interesting wrinkle in all of this is the fact that apparently he has a movie coming out this year called Emancipation, and they're already talk- there's been rumblings of Oscar talk for his performance. Now, of course, he's certainly eligible to be nominated. He just can't attend or be a part of any events. So like George C. Scott in Patton, when the Academy wants to show that their outside things don't matter, we're just interested in the art and the, in the achievement, he could very well be nominated next year just so they could show that they're not uh, biased because of what happened um and of course he can't be there with <laughs> so that so watch for that how that develops because that certainly could happen it could and now you know what i hated that he won and i'm finding out what god has chosen me yeah slap chris's rock's face right and so he's thanking everybody. I protect my family. I protect the people mm. I love. I protected this. Next day, the man he played um, said, I am horrified that he did that. That kind yeah. of put a taint in the Absolutely. Evening. And in the speech, he did not apologize to Chris Rock, which was right. loathsome. But more loathsome, we're going to come back to even more loathsome, loathsome, is that these people gave this guy a standing ovation. Uh, I guess some would probably would say that they're all still in shock and didn't know how to process what was going on. I guess. But. I I mean I think that probably like I don't know what to do do I or like I know the cameras are on me what's it better to to just go pretend it didn't happen and and clap for the performance or sit there and then the next day have people say look look at what's his name grumbling over there I think everyone was trying to figure out how is this going to play tomorrow of course how's <laughs> my sure. image what is what and I don't. And I can't figure it out fast enough, so I don't know what to do. I did feel bad for the Williams sisters in the sense that Me too, and they, dad. yeah, they were sitting up there. They were proud of that the movie was acclaimed, and you know, uh, and like I said, there's a taint not just on Will Smith and his Oscar, but even the movie is now going to be remembered as that movie, um, and. Uh, I'm sure, you know, he said how they, they didn't get fully behind the movie till they saw it. And then they were totally on board with sort of promoting it and, and being proud of it. And now, like I said, it was a disservice to so many people. And to Chris yeah. Rock, mostly. That yeah, is so yeah. humiliating. He's, yeah. You know, and he's, I met him twice, and he's a nice guy. I haven't met him in a long time. He's a comic, for God's sakes. No one yeah. deserves 
and he should have been taken out. I do not believe they should take his Oscar away, which they aren't doing. No, I, no, that's silly. Um, but yeah, because you can't. What are you going to do? Give it to the guy who came in second? Right. <laughs> it's not like Miss America. <laughs> There's no runner-up that that makes you feel, you know, that oh, around, yeah. I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm so honored to be your second favorite choice of the year. Thank you. Guys you. Will smacked somebody. But, yeah, so you know, there's yeah. so much going on there. Now, of course, he's doing the celebrity thing, rehab. So I don't uh, believe he's an alcoholic or any of that stuff, but it's like rehab his reputation. You know he's going to come back and be bigger than ever. Let's face it. And um, yeah, I believe we'll that. I do believe yeah. that. People sure. are going to come run sure. to his thing. And, um, you know, Chris, I heard rumors that he may sue the academy i mean they didn't even try to get him out of there or do anything that was disgraceful and this is something that chris is going to have to deal with the rest of his life his kids his grandchildren and it was disgraceful what he did to chris rock well if i were will smith i would i wouldn't be bringing it up and like suing anybody the best thing he can do is try to make uh, let time pass where people can forget they're not going to but you can try uh to just to keep it as low a profile as you possibly can um for for a while um and we'll see yeah We'll we'll see and um what happened to him you know it's all this like oh he's so you know it totally went against the image of the nice guy, easygoing yeah. guy, groovy guy. And then he went to the party and he's holding his Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I yeah. I don't know that it hit. Well, that it's hit. Ha, ha, ha. But um, yeah. I don't know. I don't think he yeah. wrote any of his stuff. And I think his publicists did. And they want to save his skin. And he's a multimillionaire and whatever. And, you know, all, my thing... He's troubled. I, I'm sorry if you guys like Jada. I never did. Um, I never liked her. And, um, you know, I never really went to his movies either. You know, I'm not really no. fond right. of his acting. But right. I have to say that's probably the biggest. What do you think? Um, yeah, that's the biggest because it's like I said, we've had these verbal things, whether on stage or backstage, the, the like whether it's a sister snubbing a sister backstage or Shirley MacLaine and Frank Sinatra fighting backstage or Vanessa and Patty Chayefsky on stage. Uh, and but it's 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 never gotten physical. That's, of course, a huge leap and uh, a line we never thought would be crossed. And no. so just when you think from Will Smith, yeah. And like yeah. I said, in the last five years, if someone had told me, yeah, they're going to announce the wrong best picture and the people will be making their speech when the when the mistake is corrected <laughs> and someone will slap someone seriously at the Oscars, you think now that I mean, things go crazy, but it could never go that far. And here we are. So it's really kind of an anything goes. Um, wild, like I said, we're, we're, in a, we're in a weird <laughs> place where the Academy is seeming. Uh, like I said, it's uh, it, it's always just an award show, and it's always semi ridiculous. It's built into it. It's uh, picking this is better than that. I mean, inherently, it's on some level stupid. I I love it too, and I've been uh, interested in it most of my life. But with, I do recognize there is an element of the ridiculous to it. But this is like bordering on the completely irrelevant, which I said, that's what they've been fighting in terms of ratings and in terms of how do people <laughs> behave in public and the way people go see movies. Now, when you watch something on Netflix and you hear it was nominated for Oscars, you think, is this a movie or a TV show? And how would I know the difference? Because it played somewhere that's nowhere near me for a week. So it's just a weird, weird time. As I said, it will come through it because it always does. But we'll look back on it the way we look back on the early 70s of how did they get through this period? But somehow they will soldier on because they love getting prizes. Yes, they will soldier on. Did you know they get like um, all the actors and everybody who's nominated get this swag bag? And it's like $100,000 of things that... They get for free, like they get like free, you know, plastic surgery stuff. And, and what's what is the point of that? I they mean, as money. A, you got to kiss yeah, their butts. You got to kiss their butts. 
Anyway, anyway, I think we did a good show there, John. I think think we got them all, or most. (laughs) So why don't you tell everybody once again the name of your book? Oh, thank you. Uh, There are no small parts, 100 outstanding film performances with screen time of 10 minutes or less. From Elsa Lanchester in Bride of Frankenstein to Al Pacino in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, tick tick! Get your stopwatches out. <laughs> get your stopwatches out, and if you I, find I it, I challenge you. Yes, I challenge you. I think you're not going to win if you get your t- because I know how precise John is. So um, check his books out. All of his books. This is a really great book, and he has so many wonderfuls. And and the the trivia one. You said that's your bestseller, and people should check that, that one. Yeah, that's uh, now it, it came out in 1999, but it was reissued and somewhat revised in 2013, I believe. And you thought you knew classic movies, which I always call my stocking stuffer book. I'm um, going to get but, that. I have to get that. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I <laughs> It was my start. So, yes, I have a special fondness for it always. Okay, so I want to thank all the listeners. And again, I want to thank my pal, my uh 45 times on the show. I'm exaggerating. Let's go 15 maybe now. Sure, sure. Okay, maybe even more. My pal, John DeLeo. And thank you, John. You're always fabulous and so knowledgeable. And it's such a pleasure and it's fun. So thank you so much for everybody listening. And thank you so much to John. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Listen to the stories of Tinseltown.